The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready for operational excellence? Welcome to the Visual Workplace, Work That Makes Sense, where your host and visual workplace expert, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, shares powerful visual principles and practices to optimize your operations and make them safer, faster, better, and far less costly. The Visual Workplace. You can't get to excellence without it. Now, here's Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. Hi there. Hi, this is Gwendolyn. I'm Gwendolyn Galsworth, and I'm your host on this, our weekly radio show about letting the workplace speak. Welcome to the visual workplace. Hi. We're having a little bit of uh, technical trickiness right now, so if uh, something happens, it's because something is happening, and just kind of stick with us, and we'll get it right. Um it's always, it happened about in the last seven or eight seconds, so I'm not sure what's going on, but I've got a very good technical staff, and they'll help us out. So I want to welcome you to our show, and as you know, each week we look at some aspect of the visual workplace, of workplace visuality, which I pretty much use interchangeably, and it's about embedding the intelligence of our operational system into the living landscape of work through visual devices. That intelligence is our intelligence. However smart we are, however clever we are, however not so clever we are, we see based on the operational system that we make visual. visual. Visuality gives us a kind of platform to see where the gaps in our thinking and in our performance, the gaps in information are. And that's one of the great benefits of the visual workplace, that as we embed these visual devices which actually hold information, we begin to see where we have connectivity and where we need more, where we have rich, robust, relevant, complete, timely, accurate information, and where we need more, an improved information delivery system. Uh, the, The work environment is the delivery system in the visual workplace. And it's one of the reasons why, when it isn't there, it's so hard to know just what is missing. Because the visual workplace is the actual environment in which work happens. And so when you see the work happening, but it's not happening well, but visuality has not yet been demonstrated, you haven't yet implemented visuality, you think that there's something wrong with the people who are performing or with the machinery or with your scheduling system or with your suppliers. And there may be something wrong with that. As well, but if you don't have a performance environment that is embedded, where your operational intelligence is embedded, you will be running around trying to figure out what is wrong, what are the causative factors. Do you see? So, visuality is this perfect mirror for where we're at right now. 
And that's one of the ways we use it. And it's one of the reasons why, why we want it to be as robust as possible. I've spoken many, many times about the 10 doorways into a visual workplace and how these 10 doorways represents category, represent categories of visual function. We have visual order for the operators. We have visual displays and visual standards that are the responsibilities of supervisors, engineers, and managers. We have visual leaderships, the metrics, the hotion, the deployment of policy. Another voice, another category of function that is making the landscape of work alive, alive with relevant, complete, accurate, and timely information available for whoever and for whoever needs it, to everyone and anyone, because we pull it to us. And so that's what this show is about. And that is what we're doing today. And today we're going to be talking about function a lot because we're going to continue our discussion of smart placement. This is the third show in my series on smart placement. And I actually have never revealed this information before to anyone except my clients. I've never done a public seminar on it. And I certainly have never brought, broadcasted out to the 70 or 80,000 people who listen to us a month. So I hope that you follow these shows because, you know, I'm a little bit uh, proprietary about my, my work. I really love these, uh, this exploration, but I sometimes hold on a little bit too tight. Not that I don't respect the fact that I worked really hard to uh, create these frameworks of thinking. I certainly do, and I've built my business around it. But I also want you to get these concepts, and I know that you will be, if you like it, it you will be uh, correct to say where you heard it from and, and respect the fact that I'm sharing things with you that are very useful and that um, I've kind of concocted in the uh, course of discovering what visuality is over the last 30 or 40 years. So... Um, what we're going, I have a couple of announcements. Let me make uh, a couple of announcements and then we'll go into a bit more, in fact, a great deal more on smart placement. This time we're going to be looking at, we'll review the first map, which is the what is map. We'll talk about the second map and how it is used. And we'll talk about the people elements of making those maps really produce results and really move you along the process. Remember, this is a part of my 5S, and maybe you want to make it a part of your 5S. So this is a live show today. If you want to call in, please feel free, including right now. If we don't um, cover everything that we need to today, we'll just pick it up the next time. There are endless shows and endless things to share. The number is 866-472-5790, 866-472-5790, or you can um, send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Uh, I have just one announcement this week. I want to tell you that I'm going to be doing a visual workplace briefing in, in San Diego in about three weeks on February 22, 2013 at the Hilton Resort Hotel in San Diego, right there on the ocean. It's very beautiful. And it's part of the Lean and Six Sigma conference that AQI, American Quality Institute, is conducting there under the leadership of the formidable Sermine, Sermine, I beg your pardon, Sermine Vanderbilt. She's a fabulous woman, very, very powerful leader, and she's the organizer of this conference. If you've ever done a conference, you'll know it is so much work, and it is also very, very Rewarding. I'll do a keynote on Wednesday and then on Friday from 8 until 3, I'll go into my approach to visuality and that's an open 
briefing. Anyone who wants to come, you don't have to be a part of the conference. You can go to leanandsixsigma.org. Those, that's all one word, leanandsixsigma.org, and pick up the detail, or you can email us. We just sent a, flower, a flyer out to our base. If you're in our base, you'll see a flyer come through maybe 20 minutes before the show started. After that, my next public seminar will probably be in the UK at the end of May. We're doing a double hitter there that includes two plant assessments. Always a pleasure. And I think I'll do one or two more in England later in the summer. We're working out the details now. One other thing, a number of you have emailed asking about our next train, the trainers. We think it will be in August or September. We're doing things a different way now. We do, we deliver a lot of our training and a lot of the people interested in delivering training within their organizations are doing it through our webinars in order to, these are big screen on demand webinars, in order to um, jump over their own trainers having to master visuality in order to teach it. Um, so, we we're do, we do maybe one training of trainers a year, but there are many, many other ways to get educated and also to get prepared and the materials. And one way to get educated is to listen to this radio show. So thank you for those emails. Keep them coming and let's get started. So today we're going to continue our conversation of that indispensable first step to getting visual on the operator level, smart placement, a methodology that I've been describing over the last two sessions, this is the third, that can be a standalone. So even if you're engaged in 5S and you don't want to do this, you might want to do it somewhere else that is either uh, not doing 5S or has already done 5S. You can do it standalone. If you're doing 5S and you want to regroup and go deeper, you can Go back to let's select locations. I think you call it set things in order. What I dis- I discovered the logic of smart placement because back in the 1980s, when I was helping folks lay down the lines, it just felt like a failure to me. You're outlined things. It was uninteresting. It was boring. It was boring for me and the people that I was working with. It felt synthetic and contrived. I couldn't find any underlying logic and I became as insulted as they, as, as many of these people were to put a border around a telephone or put a border around a machine which wasn't going anywhere or whatever. It just felt like we were obeying a protocol, somebody else's idea of what we should do. There wasn't any, not even creativity, there wasn't any thinking. And I wanted it to be more and I felt that there should be more but I hadn't quite found the beating heart. The beating heart of set things in order, or as I call it, select locations. And then I saw that setting things in order had to be the pre-step of getting visual. The pre-step of visual order, order you could see, order that functioned. And as I thought about that, I began thinking about function and it turned out to be the key because I realized that when we put a border around you may call it lines border around a thing we're really putting a border around a function we're capturing that function 
and that the workplace is made up of a net made up of a network of function. The desk is the paperwork function. The machine is a conversion function. The board is the communication function. Right? The table is the cutting function. I wanted to look at the function of things and I saw the possibility of getting operators involved in the analysis of their own workplace. Yes, much the same as we do when we do a Kaizen Blitz and we work on cellular design. But this would be a part of 5S. This would be a part of reimagining my work area and reimagining it so that it would be highly visual. Because I saw that the sum of function is performance and how fabulous it would be to embed that performance by surfacing function visually. So I began to look at borders and see function. And what when I did, I saw the next level, which was, as I mentioned a moment ago, that the location of function impacts the flow and that a network of function meant relationship. The tension between locations meant relationship. And that was going to impact the quality and speed of that flow. And I came up with a little formula, one that I've mentioned several times. It very simply is function plus location equals flow. The location of function will determine the direction of the flow, the speed of the flow, the complexity of the flow. And that led me to the maps. The ones we started last week and the ones we're going to continue today. Smart placement has five distinct elements or aspects or components. We learn that there is a problem when we lay down borders and we ignore their function, the function of the things that they outline. If things are in the wrong place, then we just institutionalize the wrongness of their placement by putting a, a, a line around it. And we trigger, unintentionally of course, we trigger motion, we trigger waste, moving without working, instead of reducing it. Second, in the smart placing process, we come to understand that we can eliminate a heck of a lot of waste by vetting and then improving the current location of things. We come to understand that formula I mentioned a moment ago, function plus location equals flow. And you know what, I have three more things to say, but we're going to slide into a break and then we're going to slide right back again and pick it up where we left off. And I look forward to it. I'll see you in just a minute. Thank you. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. 
Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense, with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call one 866 472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi again, this is Gwendolyn, Gwendolyn Galsworth. Welcome to the second half of the Visual Workplace. And we are in the midst of discussing the next piece on our in our Smart Placement series which is operationalizing the formula of function plus location equals flow as part of our 5S, as part of our journey to operator-led, operator-owned visuality. Robust 5S, so much 5S, in fact, that it can hardly be called 5S at all. I call it workplace visuality, and it's on the area level. So right before the break, we talked about these five distinct elements of the process, and one is we recognize the problem is that we're not understanding that when we put when we put lines around things, we're actually putting lines around function. Second, when we get that, we understand that we can actually begin to minimize um, waste, what I call motion moving without working, by thinking through the layout, the placement of function before we put a line or what I call a border around it. And third, we, we use two maps to shine light on what is right and what is wrong about our current layout. The what is map is to vet, to vet or proof the existing layout. And then the could be map or dream map is to find ways to improve it. How do you reduce motion? How do you re- reduce moving without working by changing the layout of function and the relationship between functions. And that's exactly where we are today in the midst of the mapping process. We're illuminating that cause. And that brings us to the fourth element of the smart placement process, and that is we <laughs> we learn how to think about placement and we learn how to think about motion as human beings. In other words... It sometimes gets messy. This is a real part of the process that as people really encounter this map, they look at their what is map and then they look at the possibilities, it gets a little bit messy. And I want to name them, we're going to spend some time on this today, that we get into tussles and detours. And I want to share ways today with you 
to not only avoid or minimize this, but even better, to harness it. In other words, to harness the tussles, to harness the detours, to harness what looks like um, messiness. So that's the third aspect. The fourth is once we get the could-be map constructed and we start applying our thinking to it, we apply the 14 splendid principles of smart placement. We begin to look at what we can do about it, and we will be walking through those in the next show or I think the next two shows. So we apply these principles. How do you make the placement of function smarter? And the fifth and final piece is taking action on the basis of your smart placement thinking. In most cases, if you're the operator, you simply move the workplace items that you have mapped out to their logical motion minimum location, you and a buddy. And then you're ready for borders, borders that function, borders that capture that smart placement logic. If you're, if the items you want to move need special resources, they're too heavy, they're wired in and so on, you have to seek authorization. If you get it, the item gets moved, but if you don't, the item stays put. The item stays put, and we are going to look at that today too, because just because you thought of it, I'm talking to operators now, just because you thought of it, operators, doesn't mean it can be done. It's a possibility, and we have to often go through that step of being re-vetted by people in authority who hold the resources, and they may have reasons, and you know what? Those things are out of your control. The main thing we want to focus on in terms of what you can do is what you can do easily yourself or with a buddy. Okay, so those are the five components. That's our little summary. So let's resume where we left off. On last week's show, which was, since smart placement is about thinking, the maps are a way to help us think. The first map provides us a context of how things are currently placed and allows us to spot the motion caused by the current layout of function. And the second map, and that's called the what is map. The second map, which is called the could be or dream map, allows you to reimagine, to relocate on the map the things of work in a manner that supports flow, the flow of material, people, and information in and through and out of your areas. So last week, we went into detail about the what is map. You, if you're an operator, I'm especially talking to you, you and your colleagues develop a map in order to see the true extent of motion as it is. To do that, you took a piece of paper, you penciled out the shape, portrait style or landscape, and then you followed up with a black magic marker and you put in the structures, the sinks, the I-beams, but not the machines. The real structure, the I-beams, the walls, the windows, the doors. And once you get that right, then you use post-its in four colors to show the things, including the machines, however deeply embedded they are. Anything that has a floor print or a wall print, and you color match your sticky notes, your post-its. Yellow means hard to move, has to be authorized, it's too heavy, it's unsafe, it's bolted down, it's recessed, it's wired in, hard to move. They go in yellow. Your CNC 30 goes in yellow, and you do it to the size, proportion, and the shape if it's got all kinds of, you know, little pieces um, uh, screwed onto it. Blue is for easy to move. You and a buddy, you, me and you can handle it together. 
the waste paper baskets, the chairs, the tables. And you know, if yours is a union company, then you have to follow those procedures as well. But the concept is we can use it. We don't need to hire anybody special. We don't need special authorization. Pink is for whip, work in process, raw materials, finished goods, sub-assemblies. And if you're in a hospital setting or a bank setting, an engineering office, you find what is comparable to that whip. The fourth category is green for consumable, the packing supplies, the lubricants, the sheets in a hospital. Anyway, you cut these proportionally to shape. You put names on them. You say what they are, not machine, but the CNC 30, not whip, but the J190s, not consumables, but the cardboard of such and such a size, the three feet by two, the bubble wrap. You make it very specific. And then you place them on your what is map based on where they are now, where they are now, right now, just before you left that the area to come to this training session, to come to the training session. You recollect. And I want you to recollect. Because when you recollect, you actually have to enter into that field in your mind. In not just your imaginative mind, but you're also the analytical part of your brain. You're figuring things out. You are engaged, and it is one of the reasons why I am 100% opposed to using CAD, a CAD CAM uh, map of the area. I want you to be kinetically engaged physically with your senses, because when your senses are engaged, whether you realize it or not, you are learning. You're experiencing, and because you're experiencing, your body is learning. It's a chemical response. You're learning, and that connection between your hands and your brains is going to create new insight, is going to create innovation even, is going to create understanding. So you do that directly. And now what you do is you grab your map and a bag of notes and tape and pens and Scissors and you march off to your gemba. You march off to your work area and you check to see if you got it right. You lay out your map. You've got six or seven people in your group and you see if you got it right. And if you didn't get it right, you rearrange things as they are today, not as they should be. That would be a complete mistake. But as they actually, really, authentically, genuinely at this moment are placed. And if you have them right, great. And if not, you fix it. You fix your map. And by the way, it's very important (laughs) to have some removable scotch tape so you can put it over your post-its so they don't flutter away as you walk down the hall. And then you can easily remove them again. You know, that removable tape, it's beautiful. You do it in a long, long line. You just strip, 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 and things stay in place. You come back to the room, you look at your map, and your next step is to trace the flow of each item as it enters as it moves through and then as it moves out of your area. If you're in a, has- in a hospital, hospital setting, you do the same only with people and medicine and nurses and doctors. You'll figure it out. You'll know what the equivalents are. It makes sense to you. That's the equivalent. And you make that differentiation between. You define what WIP is. You define what consumables are. You define what is movable and what is not. Okay? And when you... What you do is you find one product, and you let's take a uh, manufacturing, so we're dealing with widgets. You have that widget or that palette 
enter the area and that be as it enters, that's number one. And then it goes to the next function, that's number two. Then it goes to the next function, number three. So it might come in that, it's coming through the door, that's one. It hasn't landed. It then lands by the sink maybe, that's two. Then it's washed off and then maybe it goes over to processing within your area, that's three. And when it's processed, maybe it's then counted or maybe it's uh, in process inspected, that's four. And then maybe it's heat treated or whatever, five, six, seven, eight, and then it goes out of the area and that will be your nine. When it leaves, it's right there on the boundary. And you might have multiple flows. So use different colors or if you only have one color marker, then have some dashed lines and dotted lines and solid and double so you see the difference. Okay? I always want you to work first in pencil because you're going to make a mistake. Yes, you can cover up your mistake with masking tape, but it really is easily avoidable by mapping this out and walking things through in pencil and then following it up with your markers. And as you do this, you're going to get it. You're going to get that the location of function is determining that flow, which is beginning to pile up on your piece of paper like a great big stack of spaghetti. Okay? It's not a spaghetti map, but it will look like a spaghetti map. It is there to teach you. You, you, you and your your colleagues are mapping out these flows and there is discussion. We're going to deal with that in a moment. And your final step for this, no, two final steps. <laughs> the next step is, and then the final step, you then estimate the time and the distance that each flow is. Those are the metrics of the map. How much time does this product take in traveling? And how much distance? How much difference? I don't know if you remember, but I'm, I've mentioned on several shows that Buzz Harlan, who was a wonderful toolmaker at Harris Corp in Quincy, Illinois, spent three hours and 25 minutes not doing work. He used a stopwatch to prove it because of where he had to go to get to the functions he needed to do his work. And his colleague Janet Jones, who worked in cabling, she traveled 5.5 miles in one day without going out of her department because of the illogic of the flow within her department. She used a pedometer. This is so interesting. And you see, we own it when we are in it, in our minds and with our hands and with these markers as we touch the paper, as we look and, and feel these post-its in our hands, we enter into that reality. Okay, <laughs> we'll see you right after the break. Time for a break, Gwenny. See you when you get when you get back. I'll be here. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. 
Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. Everybody needs expert advice when they look to develop their personal brand. Join Rochelle McCrary for The Leader and the Muse. Rochelle and her guests will bring you practical tips and tools to help you build your brand in ways that propel you into greater personal and business success. For strategies, stories, and much more, tune in to the Voice America Business Channel every Friday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time for The Leader and the Muse. And get ready to take your brand to the next level. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hello again. Hi. Welcome to the third segment of our show today at the Visual Workplace. We are going through the paces of the mapping portion and in a moment the human portion, the people portion of the smart placement mapping process. There will be several more shows. And, you know, it would be really great if some of you call and ask about this uh, in further detail. Maybe you'll try it out over the next week or so, and you'll either get an insight or have a stumble, and we can begin to talk about it. This is such a useful tool. It is really, for me, has proven itself to be without peer. It is uh, um, an indispensable part of our way of implementing um the visual wear, visual order. So right before the uh, break, we were talking about uh, Buzz Harlan and Janet Jones, who really lived this uh, entanglement we call the illogical placement of function. They spent, Janet spent five and a half miles a day within her department. She swears by it. It is so hard to believe. It was a large room, but not that large, going back and forth and back and forth, and Buzz Harlan spent three hours and 25 minutes away from his area because he had to go find the functions he needed in order to return to his area, et cetera, et cetera. So people in doing this map, they're going to see this. And if you do have to leave your area to go to a vented sink or uh, some kind of an operation that is linked to what you're doing within your department but outside your department, that's part of the mapping as well. You'll just have to put a kind of double hatch sign to show that you're off the map. But that would be number 9 when you came back with 10, then 11, 12, 13, whatever. So people get it. 
And as the last part of the what is map, and this is going to take about two, two and a half hours to do the map and do the thinking and go out on the floor and share your insights, maybe a little bit more depending on how large your group is. People share their insights as teams with a larger group. It's an important piece, and it is a way of talking about what they learned in doing the map. And it will trigger a great deal of understanding as well as the interest of the people who are not in your department. I'm always amazed at how much operators and value-add associates are interested in what's going on in other departments because very rarely do they go there. And yet they're a part of the whole value stream, a part of the chain. You don't have to sell this stuff. When people do the do, when they do the do of the map, they get the get of the map. They get what the map is about. And then they are ready to go on to the the dream map or the could-be map. And remember last week I explained that when we're setting up the mechanics of the what-is map, teams are constructing, the same team is constructing at the same time a second map. And that second map, the could-be map, is identical with the first except its name is a could-be map. It's identical. And at the top of it, it just says could-be or dream map, but the post-its... The shape of the area, the structures, the eye beams, the post-its, their colors, their shapes, their names, their placements are identical. We set it aside, the could-be map, while we work on our what-is map because it's not time for it yet. First, we have to understand the what-is state. We have to understand it, analyze it, know it, accept it, name it. And when that is well understood, we make our presentation. We move on now to the possible future. We put the what-is map on the wall now and put our could-be map on the table and we pour over it. And we examine it in the light of the 14 principles of smart placement, the principles that I'm going to begin to discuss with you next week. But at this point, we're changing things and it can get messy. And there are ground rules. And I want to spend the remainder of today's show discussing these ground rules with you. And you'll see why right now. And some of you have had this experience. There are three ground rules. The first one is you can only change the location of the blues, the pinks, and the greens. You cannot move the yellows. So you can only move what you can control or handle yourself or yourself and a buddy. That's ground rule number one. Number two, you have to allow other people to listen and think. You have to hear each other out. No one gets to dominate. Sometimes you see this domination coming up very soon. It'll happen when the first lines are put down on the first white piece of paper when we're doing the what is map. Somebody will grab the pencil and then they'll grab the ruler and then they'll grab the marker, the same person. And you, if you're a trainer, you got to notice it. And, you, and there's a very easy way to dissolve that domination. Because, you know, sometimes the rest of us just like to watch, sit back and watch somebody else do everything. But we don't want that. We want people to be kinetically involved. We want them to be um, triggering their senses because we know the learning is through the senses. That is the purpose of life, to have experience. And we experience our world through our senses. And so what I do, if I see that at the very beginning when we're doing the first map, I say, oh, I forgot to tell you about this ground rule. And that is, you get to hold the ruler or the marker or the pencil or the eraser. You get to hold the scissor or the post-it. You know, this is so great. This is the rule. So you figure it out. You get to hold one thing. I need you guys to work together. Please do it now. 
and people will struggle and they'll, but they'll get close to each other and they'll kind of elbow each other and they'll have some fun and they'll start working together in a way that is very connected. And then you can lift the rule when you see that, nah, now you're working together. Okay, you look like a team. Okay, now you can have two things at once. Because it really gets very funny when they, somebody is holding the post-it and somebody else is cutting the post-it. Yes, yes, I do it in extremes. But you've got to break the pattern. You've got to break the pattern of dominance or the pattern of passivity. And you know what, trainers, if you do it, and especially if you do it with a little bit of charm, but you really mean it, people will do it. They'll say, you know what, I'm in her house now, and until I get to leave in two hours, I'm going to have to behave myself, so okay, I'm doing it. Some people get grumpy, but I have never seen it fail that people get involved in this. They get interested. Okay, so... Ah, you know what? I forgot to tell you about the third rule. Did I tell you about this? The third rule is if you've got a great idea to change something, to improve it, and you can't persuade people to your point of view, we will encourage you to develop a minority report, which will give you equal airtime during the presentation stages. And if I've got people in the room who are um, um, facilitators like me, they'll sit at the table with you and help you catch up so that you have a completed uh, could-be map of your own. Sometimes we swarm three or four people will help you set up your, your map so you can do your magic, so you can use it as a thinking palette. So those are the three rules. No yellows. You can move everything else. you got to listen to each other and hear each other out. Nobody dominates. And... If you can't persuade people to your very, very interesting point of view, set up your own minority report, your own map, and present your ideas without needing to have um, any uh, anybody agree with you. This is not a consensus process. I'm going to be talking about consensus, and I want to tell you it is one of those Borg things. Consensus usually means politics as usual, and there is so much good that is lost in the name of consensus. This differentiation, these different ideas, even if they seem flaky to me, you let the people pursue it. You let the person who looks flaky to me pursue it. Consensus is not what we're doing in smart placement. What we're doing is an amalgamation. But first we have to see the distinction, and I'm going to give you that great definition of consensus in a moment when I get there, which is the active search for disagreement until enough agreement is met for us to move forward together. That is not blending. That is active, and it is a search. Okay, so those are the three ground rules. Now, let me surface to you, for you, the, the, one of the hidden problems here that people can't touch the yellow. Everybody wants to move the yellow. They want to, because the yellows are big and they're in the way. Not just machines, but walls. Yes, suddenly we see that that wall is the reason we have so much motion in the area. We've got to go around the wall. Why don't we just knock the wall down? And you know, that's such a big American idea. It's so flamboyant and so wow. 
But we say, don't touch the yellows. Don't touch the yellows. It's a great idea, but it's off the table. You have no control over that, so leave it alone. Now, I will tell you on the QT that this rule is lifted towards the end of our session. Once people have thoroughly, thoroughly, thoroughly explored, even exhausted the possibilities associated with what they can handle, the blues, the pinks, the greens. And yes, I tell them. And I tell them, you know who gets to decide when you can work on the yellows? I do. I do. When you've shown me that you have exhausted the blues, the pinks, and the greens. Okay, I promise to do it, but that's not what this exercise is about. That's not what smart placement is about. And although I can't, I'm not going to talk about it now because it will take us off in another direction. Trainers, I want to call your attention to this. If you do not do your homework before your smart placement session, if you don't know what can and can't be moved, what must be moved, and what direction you will accept as a minimum outcome for this very uh, labor-intensive exercise where you're losing a lot of production time in order to get people to think. If you haven't already thought this through and maybe thought it through with a colleague, you should not be running the exercise. You have to have a minimum vision of what's possible. And yes, including the yellows. So you have to, in a very real sense, do the map yourself before you teach others. For each area. Hmm? So you stay away from the yellows. And I will talk about that more next week. But I want to go over the four, the four uh, people tools. I want to talk to you next week about the big ideas, the changes that are out of people's controls because you have to handle this very, very carefully. So let's talk about the four people process tools that get people to start thinking and sharing that that help people be patient and tolerant, maybe even exceptionally so. Okay? We're sliding into a break. I'll pick up those four tools after the break. We'll have plenty of time to go over them. And I... Really hope you're finding this useful. I, I love this material and I have uh, been using it very successfully. Um, part of the reason that I developed it is because I failed so miserably when I didn't have it have have these things at my disposal. I'll tell you it was one of those stories in a moment. Please come back. I'll be here. Thanks. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Are you ready to bring the power of the visual workplace to your company? Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, is available to help you harness and maximize that power. With nearly 30 years of hands-on experience, Dr. Galsworth shows you how through in-house seminars, site assessments, total company conversions, keynotes, coaching, and consulting. Learn about visuality through our books, DVDs, on-demand webinars, visual edge learning packages, and a host of other teaching materials. Enroll in the Visual Lean Institute and get trained and licensed as an instructor or QMI affiliate in any of our nine core visual workplace courses. Keep your visual workplace going and growing. 
Visit our website at visualworkplace.com to learn more about workplace visuality, our products and services, and when Gwendolyn will be presenting near you. That website again is visualworkplace.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense with Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's toll-free, 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to radio at visualworkplace.com. Now, back to the program. Hi there. Hi, it's Gwendolyn. We're in our last segment of the show, and today we're looking at smart placement. We're looking at the mapping process, which is the heart of it. We'll be looking at the principles of a smart placement next week, but right now we're going to focus on the people aspect. How do we make sure that people do find a strong voice, but a voice that doesn't drown out everyone else? Remember in the blurb or the copy that we wrote for today's show, If employee ownership is crucial to continuous improvement, and who would deny that, then what happens when people want to own their improvements too much? When they start dominating? Or what happens, what do you do when hourly associates falsely assume that their creativity guarantees that their ideas will get deployed? That was partly our discussion about the yellows, the hard-to-move stuff. And how do you handle outliers, people with innovative but often unpopular improvement ideas? What happens? What happens when operators can't agree amongst themselves? How do you handle it? Do you step in and pull rank? Or do you let associates duke it out, which means it's politics as usual, the dominance hierarchy? Well, to make sure that all ideas are encouraged and collected, this is what I use. Four tools, they share a double purpose. They help you, if you're an operator, and other people find lots of different ideas about smart placement and put them on the table, and they safeguard us and even bolster tolerance, respect, and collaboration between people so ideas get shared. And the result is our thinking gets stronger, clearer, and more complete. And we and others make better decisions with longer lasting results and we still like each other when it's over we can't become more aligned as people not less because we went through a good process so the first tool is something you know brainstorm if you want other people to share their ideas better make it safe for them to do so here are six absolute rules of brainstorming i encourage you to adopt them all ideas are acceptable and accepted there's no such thing as a dumb idea Ideas are collected first and evaluated much later. Clearly, differentiation, take a break, now let's evaluate. We piggyback on each other's ideas. We keep our nonverbal comments to a minimum. No squirming, sighing, muttering. This is how we demonstrate that there's no such thing as a dumb idea, even that dumb idea that you just said, I'm not going to squirm or sigh or mutter, roll my eyes, I'm going to stay open. I'm going to show up and stay open. So that's brainstorming. Number two, appoint a gatekeeper. If the group gets too rambunctious or certain personalities dominate, trainers, you have to notice. Let a group member take on the role of 
shutting the gate temporarily on bubbly, sometimes overbearing characters and opening the gate for those who haven't had much of a chance to speak. Gatekeeper. And you just, you, you can see the noise, you can see the heat rise, you can see the smoke and you go over and you say, you look. And you, by the way, when you approach a table, you are always on the level of the seat. So you get down on your knees or you squat. You never stand over the table and you never, never have a coffee cup in your hand. You're always, it, you're invisible and the best thing for you to do is not make eye contact. Just look away from the table and listen. You do not want to be a presence around the table. You, you have to show up, you have to come nearby, but you also have to adopt an amenor, a demeanor that makes you the least important person at the table. And you don't interrupt, you listen, and then when you're ready, you either turn on your heels, still squatted, and say, hey, hello, I'm over here, I got an idea, and you're going to have to do it. Guys, you need a gatekeeper. I'm not naming names, but some of you are not talking enough and others of you are talking too much. We're going to have a gatekeeper. And then you have that person already in mind and you say, this is what you do, Marianne. You make sure that everybody speaks. And you might want to explain round robin. You can do sub sub training under that. But you do it right there on the spot. The other thing that I've used, and it's the third tool, it's called the talking stick. And I've used this continuously. A Native American friend of mine told me about it years ago and how his community used it in, in powwows. So you're at the table, everybody's around the table, and there's a stick in the middle of the table. If you don't have a stick, use a shoe. I used a shoe the first time. Use a book, a remote control, an eraser. You throw it in the middle of the table. I took my shoe off and I went. I mean, these these guys, this was that trailmobile in Toronto. They were crawling across the table ready to put their thumbs in each other's uh, Adam's apples in order to make the other guy stop talking. I said, wait, this is the first time I used it. I said, wait, what are you, what are you doing? What are you doing? I took my shoe off. I slammed it on the table. I said, this is a talking stick. Whoever picks it up, gets it gets to talk and everybody else is silent until that person puts it down no interruptions no questions no comments no grunts groans squirms and whoever's got the shoe i mean the talking stick you put it down you put it in the center of the table and someone else will pick it up and speak and some people will take the stick and they will be silent a long calming silent anyway the shoe goes back and when people stop picking up the shoe, the discussion can then shift to something else. The talking stick, it's fabulous because you want the juice. You want people to bring their personalities and their passion. We are not robots. We are passionate, sensorial beings full of juice and vim and vigor and we are Cherry Garcia. We are not vanilla. I don't hang out with vanilla people. In fact, I don't even know any. We're Cherry Garcia. We're Coffee Heath Bar Crunch. Rocky Road Strawberry. And that's the third. So we've done brainstorming, gatekeeper, talking stick. And the fourth is carry out consensus. Consensus is the most involved of these four tools, 
You can use the other three tools as part of your consensus process if you want to, but there's a lot of misunderstanding about consensus. Consensus is not about getting your own way by getting other people to say yes, whoever you are, even if you're the CEO or the trainer. It is not about caving in either and going along with others against your better judgment. That's not consensus. That's politics as usual. True consensus requires two things. It requires an active search for disagreement. That means we make a special effort to find out what other people are thinking and exactly what their objections are. We dig out those differences and surface the opposition in detail. And the second thing that true consensus requires is when the details of the opposition are known, understood, and appreciate, appreciated, consensus requires that we look for areas where we can agree. Common ground. Until there is enough agreement for everyone to move forward together, we look for the common ground. And I will tell you about some minority reports that were done. Seventeen operators, all of them women. Three different ways to lay out. I'll tell you what Deanna Butler did. This is also at Quincy. Through a consensus process. True consensus takes time, it takes carefulness, it takes commitment, and it deserves a worthy focus. It would be overkill, to say the least, to use a consensus process to order, to agree on a type of pizza to order. At least in most families, it would be a waste of time. (laughs) It may be just the ticket in some, but it it may be also just the ticket as you develop options in smart placement and relaying out your area. So use these four tools because smart placement is a juicy, juicy step that can produce tremendous insight, revolutionary, without touching the yellow, change, and a deep sense of ownership and satisfaction amongst the people who are engaged in this. I want to encourage you to discover this, to try it out, to experience it, and to come back next week to get more about the process because we're going to now do the principles. We're going to say a little bit more about minority reports, but we'll weave all this in. Hmm? I hope that you um, uh, think about these things and and that you are gaining some uh, understanding from the way that I'm presenting it. These are tools that I've invented or that I've gathered that really, really work for me and work for the people that have asked me to work with them. Thank you very, very much for spending time today. I had a great time with you. And now this is Gwendolyn Galsworth, and I'm signing off. Bye. We appreciate your joining us this week for The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense. Please tune in for another episode next Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific, featuring your host, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, on the Voice America Business Channel. Thanks again for listening.